0: Hello, welcome back to Lots of Burgers, Lots of Beers, Lots of Books. My name is Ben Hobson, and this is the podcast where I interview your favorite authors about their favorite books. And this month, I have a very special guest, one Michael Trant. Michael, uh, his new book, Wild Dogs, has just been released. It's a fantastic thriller in the truest sense of the word. Set in Western Australia. He's a Western Australian uh, boy, he's a farmer, he's awesome. And we talk a lot about his creative process, talk about one of his favorite books and just how that book has so strongly impacted Wild Dogs. And it's actually pretty incredible. I had no idea about this before talking to him today. So hope you guys get a lot out of this podcast and this episode. Um, As always, hit me up. I'm Ben Hobson. You can get me on Twitter, Ben Lee Hobson, L-E-I-G-H, and you can search benhobson.net. All my socials are everywhere, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode um, and just on Michael's new book as well. Uh, Yeah, stay tuned and enjoy. Michael, how are we? How are we doing? You've got wild dogs out in the wild now. It's been, how long has it been out for now, mate?
1: Uh yeah what's the first it came out so what's the date 16 so yeah a bit over 2 weeks yeah it's been and how's it been all going now? It? Been... you
0: know you're having a lot of events and how's it all yeah, going yeah
1: been very very been very lucky with events cuz um things were just starting to kick off here in Perth with covid just as the book came out so I was you know we we're organizing all these events wondering whether they're actually going to happen but we've been very lucky we only had to cancel one due to low numbers and i think that was cuz that it was down south and it was it's all pretty new down there for them. so I right, think people are right, just yeah. holding back. Right. Yeah, holding off, which is understandable. Um so, so yeah, no, we're very lucky. Um quite a few library events and things, good turnout, good support. So yeah, oh, it's been awesome. fun. It's been a blast.
0: It's yeah. such a um it's such a good book, man. Like you must be so proud of it. Like, is are all the reviews really positive? Have you, you know, how do you go with reviews and things like that?
1: Yeah, no, it's um it's been well received. Um, yeah, like I think we've had thirty-two ratings on Goodreads so far. It's still sitting at four and a half. So that's I'm happy with that. And oh, yeah. the yeah, bloggers, awesome. book bloggers. Yeah, book bloggers and the like have just really gotten behind it. So very grateful to all them for, for backing us in. And yeah, yeah. I'm quite quite stunned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you're sort of you're sort of taking a, a step into the crime writing world, aren't you? You're sort of yeah. Because Ridgeview Station, which was your first novel, that was a bit of a different, that was more of a drama sort of thing. And then you've sort of taken... Yeah, it was, a- just,
1: it was just, yeah, it was an outback yarn. It was almost like a, a fictionalised memoir nearly because like, mm. all I did was just take what we were doing on the station and just turn it into a story and just added a few things and made things a bit more exciting. There was no real sort of points of conflict except later on when a bushfire happened. So, yeah,
0: yeah it was yeah. an interesting one and then... It was like a character study, and and this one is too. But this one is way like it is really in that mold of a crime. It's like a thriller.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to write something a bit more pacey and fast, like faster reading, and something that wasn't based on stuff that I'd done. So I have not saved any refugees from slaughter. So you can, um, it's rest assured, it is fiction. It's all made up. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's. Uh, I didn't set out to write a, like a crime thriller, but apparently I did. So. It's really so was sort of one of the re- yeah sort of one of the reasons I um signed up with penguin because the publish my publisher Bev she said oh, this is what I sort of specialize in so if you want to develop your writing in this field you now I can certainly help with that and I mm. sort of thought well if I set out to write one with the help of someone of with Bev's experience, who knows what we'll come up with because this was just a I was aiming something more like what Wilbur Smith writes you know those action out in the wilderness of Africa and all that sort of stuff I thought yeah. Well, That's there, though. That's absolutely
0: there. I think that's there. Like the the you know the the atmosphere of the outback and the the wild and the. It's definitely a thriller. Like that, it's it's not like a procedural. Like you're wondering what's going to happen next. Like what's going to happen to the characters and what the characters are going to do. It's not like a mystery about who did it, which I really like. I love those sorts of books. Yeah, Um,
1: you work out who the bad guys are pretty quick.
0: Yeah, because you see them. (laughs) Straight up. Yeah, but then how do we unpick all they've done? Um, yes. It's my favourite sort of book. Um, all right, so we're here with books, beers and burgers. Are you Are you having a beer? Are you having a burger? And if you're I've not... Got,
1: I've, got, I've got a beer because we are heading up to work once we're finished here. So I've got a beer. Mm. And then I, didn't, I haven't got a burger because it's only 5 o'clock here, Ben.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I forget the time <laughs> difference thing. Yeah, that would have been a bit much, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And what beer have you got
1: a very simple one just a, just a soul poor man's corona
0: oh man, i love soul
1: i love them though they're great they're cheap and they're tasty and they're light and refreshing and light um, good and refreshing it's, a, it's, a st- it's been a stinking steamy week here in perth and our little evaporative air conditioner has just gone on strike oh, so, shame. Um, yes no so a nice cold soul is good for the soul it's quite
0: good. <laughs> that's awesome um <laughs> I'm actually, absu- actually, I'm, I'm sort of cheating. I'm, abs- I'm abstaining from beer. This is what I'm drinking: natural mineral yeah. water with, with lemon, no, zero calorie. Because oh, yeah. this will sound silly, but um, I've got a new book coming out this year, and I'm doing like author photos, and so I'm mm-hmm. trying to trim down the yeah. photo. Yeah. And can I say, your new author photos? I thought looked really good.
1: Yeah, no. Uh Jess, a friend of ours, Jess Collatley did it. Um, she she's a great photographer and great writer in Perth and does a lot of editing stuff and just she I said, You I need some photos. She's like, I'll take them for us. So so yeah, we went mm-hmm. out and I felt like an idiot for an hour.
0: Oh mate, don't you just feel so And then people um, ask you to yeah. send them in and you're like, Oh here's here's a photo uh, and you don't want to send them in, eh? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. We went for I think I think Got a couple there with a serious crime writer face, and the rest are just me trying not to kiss myself laughing. So, <laughs> there's
0: a lot of strange things this business brings out. Hey, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we're here to talk about one of your favorite books. Um, and mm. this book, um, I did tweet about it and uh, posted on Instagram a bit earlier in the month what the book was going to be, but we're looking at The Last Wish. By Andrzej Sapkowski, which is Polish. Um, oh, yeah. And this is...
1: Tukowski. Tukowski.
0: yeah, yeah, and this is the first in the Witcher series, um, which I was really <laughs> excited that you chose because I would just started watching the TV show, and I was like, "Ooh, okay, mm-hmm. I've got it in here," and so I really enjoyed reading this book. But Michael, why have we chosen this book? Like, why? What is it, what is it about this book that makes it so special to you?
1: Uh, so this I. I can't, I found these books after I'd played the played the computer game. So the the books these I think they were originally printed in like the '90s was mid '90s was when the face first started coming out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Never heard of them until this computer game sort of exploded into the world, and I sort of played it and got stuck into it and just loved the story and the lore. So I went back to the very beginning because I started playing the third game. I mm. went back to the very beginning to read the books and found out where it all came from. Yeah. And right. I got onto the audio books and. They just blew me away because I hadn't actually, hadn't actually really read a lot of fantasy, I guess, apart from the usual suspects and Lord of the Rings and all that. But this was the first time I'd really been listening and go, hang on a minute. He's talking about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, like some young girls shacked up with seven gnomes and they're out robbing, ban- like they're being bandits and stuff. I thought, That's yeah, funny. yeah. Snow yeah. White and the Seven Dwarfs. And then she's like also Red Riding Hood and then there's Beauty and the Beast in there as well. And. I'd never sort of seen that, and just also he's got a lot of dry humor in there, which I just I love. I just love that humor that runs through it. And um, the the hero is not a good guy; like he's not a knight in shining armor, and he's he's sort of a good guy. Oh, like he's a good guy, but he really would rather not be; rather just be left to his own devices. And yeah, he doesn't see himself himself as a hero. No, and funny enough, I think a lot of that is where Gabe comes from like that whole leave me alone and just let me get on with it. Yeah. Because um, I just I just like those characters that aren't there to save the world. They just happen to be there when it needs saving sort of thing. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Like they're not they're not ex-SAS soldiers. They're not, um, they're just Definitely. normal blokes. So that's where Gabe came from. Um, I was going to say that. So that's yeah, a yeah. real I, 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 link
0: to your book, to Gabe, because he yeah, is sort of yeah, just it's, forced it's, into and, a situation.
1: Yeah. And also, like, I just picked up, because I got the whole series, like, there's one, two, I got sitting here. I think there's eight books in the whole series, um, and I just loved his style, like the way he uses points of view and shifts in time, and like that's, that's really where the, the points of view from the dingo in Wild Dogs came from too. I just wanted to try something different. Yeah. But like, you could take cool. those points of view out. You could take those three scenes with a dingo out of Wild Dogs and the story's still there. Nothing changes. But just having those extra little bits in there.
0: Yeah, well it I just, think I think if you took that out of your book, I think that would sort of leave it I think it would make it a little less thoughtful. Like those little scenes yeah. make it, make you you step back from the action. Yeah. And it makes the reader sort of up you know, things from a different perspective.
1: Yeah, and that's that I mean that was the whole idea, try something different and just sort of switch up the pace a little bit and yeah, sort of got that from 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 his writing.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Me. Um, what did you he... Sorry, go on.
1: I was gonna say, and like he does he does things like a scene will start with some old old timer sitting around a campfire telling the children a story, and then you cut to another scene. This is like further down in the series. Yeah. And by the end you realize that oh, he he's the guy in the scene. Then then so you're looking at eighty years on he's he survived the scene and he's been telling the kids the whole time. So you're actually living the story while you're reading the book. It's, it's really, yeah, really quite it's, clever the way he jumps around and uses repetition and stuff. I just I just quite admire the way he's done it. So Yeah.
0: Um, there's something that I noticed with it because I'm like you, like I, so you didn't grow up on any, like you weren't really into reading a lot of fantasy books. Is that right?
1: Uh, like I liked, I read a lot of um, the Dragonlance books when I was in high school. But They were like very traditional fantasy stuff, like, you know, party going off and slaying dragons and finding yeah. the thing that saves the world and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And obviously Lord of Rings. Just trying to think of other fantasy. No, not not really. I think I was mainly mainly like Wilbur Smith and Stephen King and um Bryce Courtney and those sorts of writers. Yeah, right. So when I found this one and not the, the audio books, the voice actor Peter Kenny just, He's, he's amazing. His range of characters is just really blew me away. So, so, yeah, so from there, I've gone on to like, um, Ian Banks' culture series, sci fi series, and basically anything else that um, Peter Kenny's read, I just buy and listen to. So. Wow,
0: yeah, you are much you yeah. are a real audiobook connoisseur, hey? Like, you that's yeah. a that's sort yeah. of would you say it's the main way you you listen to, yeah,
1: books? I guess like I, I keep saying I do most of my reading with my ears now just because. I spend so much time sitting in machinery when I'm working. Mm-hmm. It's the best way to pass the time and absorb other people's work while I'm working. So, and that way, when I'm not working, I can focus on writing or editing or yeah. other things rather than trying to get a book. You know, read as many books as I can. Because although I used to read a lot of books, I actually find it. I struggle to find it now. I get distracted too easy. Like there's too many other things going on in the world. So. If I can do it while I'm driving up to work, which is a three and a half hour drive, or if I can do it while I'm at work in a machine, it's great.
0: Yeah, that's such a cool thing. Um, mm. But I was like you; like I didn't. I used to read. I mean, I don't know whether you can see my bookshelf. I've got mm. there is a fantasy section somewhere, but they were mostly from when I was um, when I was a teenager. I've sort of got. I used to read. Um, Robin Hobb was one I loved. Yep. Um, There was an Australian author, Sarah Douglas, I think her name was. She had this Crucible series, which I love those books. Um, But I never remembered, and when I read The Last Wish, I didn't remember there being like so much uh, sex and violence. Yeah. Swearing, like modern day swearing.
1: They are quite dark in places. They can be very, very lighthearted. And then, I mean, there's some some dark stuff going on further in, like in, in the other books. And he doesn't shy away from it. And it's just really good. Like, it's not all swords and sorcery. There's other stuff going on.
0: Yeah, it's not pretty. Like, Lord of the Rings, to me, is very majestic and pretty. And yeah. and, and it's almost like a fairy tale, which, I, you know, I love that yeah. as well. Um, but, yeah, reading Last Wish, it seems, like, dirtier and way more. Like, you could feel it a little bit more. It felt yeah. more real. I felt.
1: And it... Yeah, because like it made me wonder i was just really impressed with the way how much he took of his polish folklore and history and turned it into this world so like later on like the north guardians i'd sort of you wonder was oh, that based on you know the germans coming through in world war ii because they would have had a huge effect on poland and just this on this this wow. overall uh, overbearing like army coming down on the on the continent you know what was that but i think it was actually based on the romans so, but when I was reading it, that's the first thing I thought of. You know, Polish author. He's mm. he's got this dark army coming. Well, to me, I'd just go. Well, he's obviously talking about the Nazis because just just made sense to me. So, it doesn't? Yeah, it was just very. I just thought it was very clever. Yeah,
0: there's lots of things like that. Um, I actually thought, you know, because I did read the first few Game of Thrones books. Um, and I, I don't want to sound like a one of those. I knew it before it was cool things. I did read it a while ago, yeah. but I actually stopped reading it in book four, because I just found it, um, sorry, George R. R. Martin, if you listen to my podcast, but I just got really bored uh, in book four. <laughs> but those books had a lot of sex and violence, and, you know, they were quite drastic too. But I, you know, I didn't realise these Witcher books had have been out, like, the, I, I wrote it down, the first short story was out in 1986,
1: yeah, and, that's, and that actually blew me away too because the whole thing, which is blown up into this massive multi-million you know, computer mm. game series, Netflix series, everything, started from one short story, The Witcher, the, the first short story in that book. That was like some competition that he won. Yeah. And from there they said, right, we need a book of these stories and then from there it sort of blew out. We need some more, right? Let's turn it into a series. That's crazy. And I just yeah. love the way that the two short story collections, The Last Wish and The Sword of Destiny, set up that whole world. And then when you start on the... Um, first book of the first book of the novels the blood of elves it picks up where they left off and there's all this the backstory is already done so you can read the individual stories mm-hmm. in the two books by themselves fine they're quite standalone stories but they are most of them are all linked in some way yeah and yeah it just sets up the world and i actually flat out stole the format of the last wish with that overarching the voice of the reason where it's like one and then you cut to a short story The Witcher then voice of the reason two and then you cut to another because I was right I decided to try and do the same thing with Australian folklore and mythology oh that's so cool I started writing I when I got half, I got stuck halfway through Wild Dogs and because I had no deadline or publisher or whatever waiting for this story I just stopped yeah. and started writing this fun stuff and got really <laughs> into it and I actually put together a manuscript with six of I think it was about six of these Australian stories, very similar to The Last Wish type things, and um, sent it off. I got Alex Adset to read them, and from there she wanted to see what else I had. She said, I like your writing. I like your idea. I don't know what I can do with these just now. Yeah. What else have you got? So she she got a look at Wild Dogs through
0: that, and here we are. That's so cool. I actually think now that I'm, you know, I think I remember you talking about that either on Twitter or whether it was like private messages or whatever. Yeah. I remember thinking that was such a cool idea, but I didn't realize it was stemmed from like inspired by um, this Polish author.
1: So if I hadn't have, if I hadn't have um, read those books and just fallen in love with the whole concept, I wouldn't have started these short stories, which I mean, Alex may have may have not read Wild Dogs anyway but it certainly did give me an in she liked my writing from that so mm. what else have you got and yeah so it just it went from there and then, and so these these other ones are in the drawer but they're, they're, they I will be working on them at some stage but once yeah. you know yeah. once we can find something else to write
0: that's yeah that's so uh, yeah it's such a funny thing to think of those Those little moments in our lives where we choose to do a small insignificant thing and Mm -hmm. then it it accidentally turns into a different life. (laughs) It's crazy to think about, hey?
1: Yeah, no, it is. It, It happens all well. I mean, I started blogging 10 years ago or whenever it was a while ago now. But I started blogging because of all the crap that was going on with live export and I started blogging as a farmer. And it sort of grew from there. And someone said, "Hey, oh, you're pretty. You're good at it. You, you should write a book, you know." And so mm. I thought, oh, I'll write a manuscript and self-publish it. And then, bugger me, it got picked up, and <laughs> caught the bug. And yeah, the rest is history.
0: Yeah, man. That's yeah. It's it's funny to think. Um, I um when I when I was in out of high school, I got um I had I was completely purposeless. Like I I I failed high school. I had no real um, passion for anything. And I I entered this really deep sort of depressive kind of state where I just I didn't even know why I got out of bed in the morning, but um, my brother started to play guitar and he's my younger brother, Andrew, started to play guitar. And I just saw how much fun he was having. So I decided that I would do the same thing. And so I just picked up a bass just on a whim one day just to play with Andrew. And, um, you know, now I'm a music teacher and I've toured with the band and I've right. done four years at uni and I teach music every day. And, you know, it's just, it's, like, I just, yeah. And I guess, I guess that's kind of like what The Witcher is too, right? Like there's all these little moments that um, Geralt, you, did you say Geralt in your head? Is it just uh, me? I,
1: I always called him Geralt, but only because I'd heard on the games i probably would have called him i would have struggled that's the thing about audiobooks you don't have to try and work out how all those weird names are pronounced because <laughs> there's i was flicking through it before we started actually i went oh i'm so glad i didn't read I, i've read it since but i'm so glad i listened to it first because i know i can just see the name and hear the proper like to i'd be going to 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 i always thought it was gerald
0: yeah gerald like jerry gerald of Riviera. gerald
1: gerald yeah
0: it's a bit, I don't know whether Jerry's as as strong. Uh, sorry if there are any people named Jerry listening. <laughs> not sure it's as strong as Geralt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the whole book is sort of these little moments in his life that have turned him or sort of set him up in a different way. Like the um, the short story with, um, oh, I always get her name wrong. Sassy Susu. Renfrey? No, not Renfrey. That's another one as well. But the one where he claims the promise of where, he... oh, um, yeah, the firstborn.
1: The, the, yeah, the question of price with more um, of
0: surprise, right?
1: Yeah, Queen yeah, yeah. Queen Calanthe, where he claims the law of surprise by accident. Well, it actually, it actually, it's funny because in the book he knows exactly what he's doing. He's claiming the law of surprise to get the child because that's how witches are sort of it's the one way witches get children to turn into witches. But in the book, yeah, sorry, in the TV series, it becomes a a, a
0: joke, a uh, um, yeah, which was funny. I did it, laugh when I saw it. Yeah,
1: I, yeah, it's funny. And actually, you've got to you've got to view the two very separately because they missed out some really good stories in that first season. But they only were they only had eight episodes, and they had two books to jam into one, and somehow get the three main characters on the screen at the same time. Because in the books, Siri doesn't make an appearance until. The second book, Sword of Destiny, and Yennefer only turns up in the last story. Really? Yeah. So Yennefer's in the last wish, the title story. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So you don't see or hear Yennefer until the the last story, and you won't see Siri until about the third, second or third story in um, Sword of Destiny. Then at the end of the story, at the end of Sword and Destiny, you find out where the Geralt finds Siri. So they had to jam all that into one television show so i had to do a lot with timelines and mm. yeah. so i watching it it took me a while to work out when we were watching it. it took me about three or four episodes to realize oh this is all happening at different times so there was and then when you go back and watch it again you, there's plenty of clues to Little tell clues, you yeah yeah so like the queen will say we've just won our battle um and then in the
0: other one she oh, has when i went yeah
1: yeah um siri would say oh when you won your first battle you were my age or something. And then the next scene is Brentree saying um, Queen Calanthe just won her first battle. So it's like these it's little clever. clues to tell you. That.
0: It took me a while to get the hang of that stuff for sure, I think. Um,
1: yeah, and so they actually referenced a joke about it because a lot of people complained. So there was actually a joke about different timelines, which I thought was
0: <laughs> Well, I don't know. Like, I don't know whether I'm a reader who's best suited to that stuff, but I just don't. I don't care like when I'm reading it I'm not I'm not trying to place it I'm just trying to enjoy the story and like they can sort it out later so when I'm watching the show I'm like okay well this is fine and, I'll, and I got the hang of it eventually I thought they did a really good job with that first season yeah, I, like- I actually like the first season better than the second season yeah do you agree with that do you like that better or do you uh,
1: I, like like there was the second season um at Moore and the, the Witcher Castle—they really nailed that. But the storylines they had with the witches there were just completely—I can see why they did, but they were nothing like. Yeah, right. I wasn't expecting. it. Yeah. yeah, so that caused a bit of controversy. But same thing—they've got to—they've got to move the story along somehow. So. Yeah. Um, but I, um.
0: I think my favorite Vesemir was Vesemir. Yeah, he was perfect. Which ones? Sorry, which ones? The, old, the old witch. Oh the old yeah. Witcher, the,
1: the, Old fella,
0: yeah, yeah, It yeah, was yeah. perfect. Um, and I the
1: grain fa- of truth, the
0: grain yeah. of truth, one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think my favourite episode is in the second season, and it's that first one. And there's the the actual short yeah. stories in the Last Wish, which is that yes. beauty Beauty and the Beast story. Yeah. Um. Yeah. See,
1: so that was one of the ones I was annoyed they'd missed in the first season, but then when they said, when they said that Novellum was getting played by, um. Got his name, but Tormund off the Game of Thrones. Um, I went ah oh, because there was actually a hint of it in one of the se- in one of the episodes in Series One where he said, "I'd rather use my child surprises as Brooks' of bait than yes. whatever the thing was." Yeah, and someone picked up and that said, "Hey, that they could be working that into next season. Siri could be and they could include her in the story." So and that's what they did. So yeah, it's very clever. It was
0: so like that that store. Yeah, and it's it's such an interesting thing to look at the the Netflix show and have them base it on this stories. Because The Last Wish and just his writing in general, I found was really, I would find it, I think, straightforward. Like it didn't muck around. Like there wasn't, it didn't like, it didn't set stuff up for 10 episodes before you finally got to the payoff. It was like, Okay. okay, here's the situation. Here's where we're at. We're having a conversation. Oh, there's this thing. Like it just went, 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 went and it was funny like reading it and then thinking about the tv show the tv show even feels a little slower than the book i found Mm. which is not something i would usually say
1: yeah no because they're all short stories he hasn't got long to get to the punchline
0: so (laughs) no (laughs) and it works really well and i
1: actually i actually found writing these novellas that i was doing i found that really helpful because quite often when i'm writing a draft i end up deleting so much fluff because i'm too busy working out where the hell i'm going but if it's a short story, it's not too hard because you've only got yeah. You don't have to yeah. fill in the gaps, sort of thing. Like you just it's start, middle, end, and that's it. Like, you know, it's only 20,000 words. Whereas, I can spend twenty thousand words working out what the hell's going to happen next. So, <laughs> in a novel. So yeah, and I quite <laughs> enjoyed writing novellas actually. And
0: I feel like you're going to go back to them. I feel like this is a conversation. I feel like this is one of the moments in your life, Michael. That you're going it'd, to now change your things, It'll
1: probably be one of those things that I'll work on in between other projects. Like I'm definitely going to focus on the the crime thriller thing for the moment. Um, well, I say for the moment. Who knows? It might go absolutely gangbusters, and I'll just stick with that. But it's definitely something I'll pursue. Um, something you're passionate about? Yeah, something, something to do for like just to get away from stuff. Like something to do for fun. Because I found that I found that stopping the stopping wild dogs and writing this. The first one that I wrote, I'd wrote I wrote ten thousand words in one day and I'd never I've never done that much. That's huge. And it just went and it's the sort of thing where like it's been stewing around in the back of my head for, for forever. So when I finally decided, right, I'm just gonna write this, see what happens. Yeah, it was the whole story was written in a week. And wow. then and then as I wrote more, I'd go back and set up like I'd link them as I as I wrote one, I'd go back and work in little links. And it was quite interesting how it all came about. So yeah, it'll be something, I guess. Just another manuscript in the drawer. They're starting to pile up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, all those manuscripts, like you say, like, you know, the work on that. Does it have a title? Have you titled it? The book that you're working on? I
1: called it, um, what did I call it? Uh, the second book for Penguin or this these short story ones?
0: The short story ones that are based sort of on the la- like the, uh, so last the, the
1: short story the short stories I titled the working map. The title for the whole thing was the old the old stories. Um because it does draw on a little bit of Noongar law um, lore and um language and yeah, traditions right. and practices. And I had a the same guy who did the sensitivity read for wild dogs helped me with it. He read through it and he absolutely loved it. He sort of love the way you've weaved in um, Man from Snowy River with you know cultural burning and, and stuff like this. He, yeah, he's right away by it. That's amazing. So it's one of those, one of those things that's a lot <laughs> needs a lot of work before it actually goes anywhere. But um, yeah, so I called it the old story. So there's a there's one in there called The Last Waltz. Um, and yeah, there's just just, yeah, it's just all different parts of Australian folklore that people will probably and that's the idea. You read this story and you're supposed to go, hang on a minute, that's bloody waltzing Matilda he's talking about. Yeah,
0: that's like, cool. which is what
1: I did when I was reading The Last Wish. That's bloody Beauty and the Beast he's talking about. So
0: Yeah. That's and what that, that's what I was aiming for. That's cool. Um and like you say, like even if that, that all that work you did on that was only, you know, a springboard into finishing yeah. um wild dogs, like it's absolutely been already worth it, but you've also got this, you know, cool sounding book just sitting there that you might come back to. It's really cool.
1: Yeah. No, that's um. A good one. you Go on. No, so it's just good to have stuff up your sleeve because, like I say, when Alex said, "What else have you got?" I was like, "Well, here, uh, here's here, here's one here. See what you think." <laughs> like, Should I better read this again? Yeah, um, yeah. And then and then because Alex took a while to actually read it, which she does say she does take a long time to read many sub- submitted manuscripts. She, 'Cause she was only a one a one, 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 one operation. And that's fine, no worries. So when I mean, she finally did get round to reading, she said, Holy shit, this is pretty good. We're gonna have to talk. And I thought, crap, I better read this again so I can remember <laughs> what we're talking about, because it had been nearly ten months since I'd read it.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, right. Wow. Um uh just to return to the last wish, um, something out about something else about his style that I really liked was that he was really like the pace of the book, it's like the characters they don't they only reveal themselves and what they're feeling and thinking. It's either through dialogue or it's through how they act with one another. Um, yeah. Is that something that you find really valuable in your own writing as well? like do you do you prefer yeah. to reveal character stuff through action?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. like, if, like my first draft is 90 percent dialogue, I reckon it's just people talking. Um, and that helps me realize because I can hear like, like sounds crazy, but I can hear voices in my head. Um, and I, yeah. I do, I, I hear the way people talk Because I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm musical Like I've been playing guitar since I was a teenager And I, like, I can't listen to vocal music when I'm writing Because I, my brain yeah. divides the song up Like I can hear the vocals, the bass, the drum beats So that's why I find listening to Tommy Manuel When I'm writing so easy Because it's one guitar Even though he's doing five different things On that bloody guitar at the same time
0: yeah. You're, It that's is the, just one That's the most Australian thing I've ever heard in my life Probably yeah, so I, Tommy
1: yeah, no, because I, so I, I listen to that because otherwise my brain separates off and hears the vocals or the what the bass player is doing or whatever. So I do that when people are talking. I can hear the way someone into um, tones intonates their their voices, their their pause, their phrasing, what words they use, what order they go in, hmm. and then when I'm writing, I can hear that again. So um even so, even though I don't. Like when I write dialogue, I don't abbreviate words very often or, you know, spell them phonetically or stuff. But that's what I'm hearing. And if I put the right them in the right order, hopefully the person will hear that too. So if it's an Irish character, I can put the words in the right order. I don't have to spell it like an Irish person might say it.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. And I
1: and I have had people say that I could, I could hear the character talking in his accent because he had the words in the exact right spot. So yeah. Good. So most of my first drafts is just dialogue. And then once I've got the story worked out, I will go back and add the details, basically. Like wow. go and add the, the pretty little descriptive phrases about a tree or a bird flying over or whatever just to break up the monotony, but then add, add the attrib- attribution. Most of it doesn't even have he said, she said.
0: Most times it's just dialogue yeah. line for line. Well, that's, and then I'll go back in. Into- that's very similar to Last Wish. Like, he does the same yeah. thing. Like, he'll have big chunks of dialogue and it's not... And it's always doing stuff with the story, but it's also saying so much about the characters.
1: Yeah, like the 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 talk between Queen Calanthi and Geralt oh, I is, love that. I reckon some of the best best stuff, because it does. It reveals both of them. Like, Geralt knows he's there to kill someone, but she's not going to admit that. And then she finally does, and he's trying to tell her, look, I don't care what you pay me. I'm not going to do it. I'm not a... I'm not a I'm not a hitman. I slay monsters, and she's trying to tell him, "Don't worry, it's all sorted." We're saying <laughs> yes, there is going to be a monster here without telling him what was going on, mm. and then, and then when the reveal comes, girl realizes he's been set up to slay this monster that turns, and um, yeah, I was just, I just thought it was really clever.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's really clever. Um, and the, best, th- the
1: good thing about sorry,
0: no, go on, man. This is but, yeah. This is I what was going to say. The go good thing the is like,
1: what I like about it is that you know the witches are. Portrayed to have no emotions and no feelings but you only got to listen to girl talk for five minutes to realize that's a load of bullshit and what i really like is in the first part of blood of elves when siri first gets to Kier Morin, you soon work out that yes the witches do have emotions because they're laughing and playing and getting angry and all the things that normal people do yeah and you see that in their in their home thing but when they're out in the world they're treated like monsters because you know you got to be a monster to slay a monster and they they play on that because it helps them do their job makes people afraid of them so that they pay up
0: basically yeah 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 and it's I was just really good say, development i was going to say that like he i think when he talks about himself he he says a lot i don't care i'm just in it for the money um i don't do this i do this and he's just really straightforward like that but he's also, I think, by his action, he sort of shows a different side to him, where he, 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 you know, like most of the time, he does like the merciful thing, or he does the the good thing, like he'll he'll fight for people, he'll go and he'll even protect people who aren't going to pay him and things like that, you know. So I really love that. I love that he's sort of that that difference or that juxtaposition between like what what he's trying to present to the world as, like you say, The Witcher, and then what he actually does is sort of betraying um, maybe he doesn't know himself as well as what, you know, other people do. Yep.
1: And then you've got Yennefer, which is, she is, she will see something and go and get it. And if you're in the way bad luck, like that's that's Yennefer. And the two are like, it's, it's black and white. It's yin and yang. Like Yennefer's black hair, black thing, black, black everything, black and girl's white hair, white thing. It really is, it's yin and yang. And um, they are polar opposites, which is why they're always fighting all the time. At the same time, they're a track. Opposites attract and they're always fighting. So it's a really interesting relationship.
0: It is. It is. I agree. Um, I wanted to talk about Yennefer, actually, because I read a couple of reviews about the book. Um, Most of the reviews of the books have been hugely positive. People seem to really love his writing. But there were a few who said that the books were um, misogynistic um, in its portrayal of female characters. And, you know these are two white dudes talking of on this on this thing but <laughs> um just as you know a qualifier but it didn't seem like that to me like it seemed like Yennefer was a really well well fleshed out character who didn't just do the typical um sort of damsel in distress sort of thing of typical yeah. fantasy trope she manipulated and she used a lot of her uh, attributes to 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 change people's minds or to trick people and like she seemed like such a well thought out character i was -hmm. just wondering what you thought of that what that that charge Um, i guess because there were a few reviews
1: yeah no i can see why people say that but if sort of this is just my opinion i've seen other people say this too when you delve deeper so that so in this world, the sorcerers is always young, beautiful, buxom women, and they make themselves look that way. There's definitely that, But yeah. the men, the sorcerers are always old and wise and thing. And the reason that he actually says it in the book, we, we do this because this is what society expects of how a woman should look. A powerful woman should look young and beautiful and stuff like that. They don't particularly want to, but that's... It's, and I was liking it to like the newsreaders, you always see the old bloke on the read of the news with a young, attractive woman nine times out of ten. Very rarely is it has someone like Sus- Susanna Carr who's managed to stay there the whole her whole career, which is amazing because normally they will keep bringing in fresh young women because that's, supposedly that's what society expects. But in the yeah, in later stories, there's a lot of there is a lot of subject like um, uh, women's rights and women's right to choose that comes up. And he, the characters make it very clear that us blokes have got nothing to say about this. Like this is <laughs> completely the woman's decision. So, yeah, I can understand what at first glance, oh, he's got all these sexy sorceresses running around and yes. things like that. Yeah. But, but they are there to use that yeah. to an advantage yeah. because that's what people expect them and therefore underestimate them. Because how can a good-looking woman be be smart? You know what I mean? Like that, mm. like that prejudice that people have when you see a pretty girl that she can't be smart it's all yeah so and he, he plays on that so I think yeah I and mean, that's, that's like I say, that's that's just my reading of it but
0: no I but I, I think I think like characters that have that he puts the effort into like Renfri and um Siri and um Yennefer like those female characters they're really well thought out but then you're right there are these sorts of um women in different scenes that are just used as type of scenery um Mm. but i think you could say the same as some of the men like there are some of the men who just are evil henchmen you know who just their only end is to just provide cannon fodder for him to to skewer with his sword um so i think he i think when he's writing characters he does provide a fair bit of depth to them but yeah there are some that don't get the same level of they just end up being scenery i guess in this world that he's setting um Uh, I love this quote. There's a few really cool quotes from from Geralt, which I really loved. Um, I love this quote. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on these quotes. He said this, evil is evil, lesser, greater, middling, it's all the same. Proportions are negotiated, boundaries blurred. I'm not a pious hermit. I haven't done only good in my life, but if I'm to choose between one evil and another, then I prefer not to choose at all. I just love that idea like what is that a quote that resonates with you yeah, it's
1: a quote that's used a lot in the is games it? and the in the series Yeah, so really i
0: haven't played the games
1: yeah so that's quoted in the season one when he first meets the sorcerer um it's one of the quotes that is used in the book i sort of find that like it's weird because to me that's like he's absolving himself because there's always a lesser evil like, there's always a There's always a better option to choose. And to say that I'm not going to choose is just sort of, it's like, actually, I saw an interesting thing on TikTok. Only yesterday, a guy was talking about how triage works. And he says, you are literally choosing the lesser evil. How can I save as many people as possible that I can save? Which generally means that these other people are going to die. But if I spend time on these other people, everyone's going to die. So straight away, he's choosing the lesser evil. And for so, in that using Geralt's quote, there, Geralt would go, Well, I can't choose. I'm just out of my hands. I'm, yeah, but he says so, that, yeah. but
0: then he chooses, like he tends yeah, no, to- he chooses all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: that's the thing. Like he says, that's the thing. He says, No, I'm not going to I'm neutral, it's not my business, but then he always makes it his business. Yeah. So he says one thing, he says what he thinks he should say as a witcher. Or what, what ideally he would want to do, but when push comes to shove, he generally goes and does the right thing.
0: <laughs> I love that. It's so even, such if that, right. even if
1: that right thing is cutting 10 men to ribbons, mm. he will do that.
0: The butcher. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the
1: butcher of Laviken.
0: Um, And then there's this other quote that I really loved, um, which I, yeah, I really resonated with me this quote where it said, um, People like to invent monsters and monstrosities, then they seem less monstrous themselves. When they get blind drunk, cheat, steal, beat their wives, starve an old woman, when they kill a trap fox with an axe or riddle the last existing unicorn with arrows, they like to think that the bane entering cottages at daybreak is more monstrous than they are. They feel better then. They find it easier to live. So like this idea like that we invent monsters worse than ourselves to make ourselves feel less evil with our lives, like is so clever. Yeah no
1: um I actually oh, that was the first quote that came to my head when you said and I and then when you started reading it, I thought oh we're on the same page yeah no that's <laughs> that dead right like there's always someone worse around we we tell ourselves because we're not too bad because there's someone else doing something much much worse so yeah it's a great one and um yeah like his favorite um something like oh is that um you know, he's got two swords still for men and. Um, silver for monsters, but really both are for monsters. Like, there's just different types of monsters in the world.
0: Um, yeah, it's so it's such it's so Geralt, right? Like it's so him to 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 say this, and, and he's sort of talking about himself a little bit with this as well, right? Like I am a monster. Like he views himself like that. But like the way he talks is so pessimistic, and yet he provides hope for people. Like he's this last bastion of of hope for some people who you know like he what's that story where he actually saves the young the young girl um oh
1: um the witcher that is
0: the the first one right
1: yeah the first one where he um battles the strigger and instead of killing it like most people would he lifts the curse
0: yeah and he takes like he's nearly mortally wounded in the process Yeah. yeah yeah so he says all this stuff and he has all these high ideals about how awful the world is, and how pessimistic we all are, and everyone's a, a different degrees of monsters and evil. But he like seems to be a good person deep down, but he's not able to admit that. I oh, just love it. Yeah. I love that stuff.
1: And um, if you keep reading, the next one, sort of destiny, there's a really good scene in the last. The last of my favorite story is something more where they all everything ties in together. It all comes to the to the final meeting of Geralt and Ciri, Yeah, right. Um, and yeah. Um, so he's wounded looking at, he's, he's, more, he's almost mortally wounded looking after a guy who's got stuck on a bridge and all these monsters are going to come get him. So he saves the guy, but is pretty, pretty banged up in the process. And the guy throws him in his wagon and starts trundling back home. Um, and, and they have this conversation. He said, Well, what? Because he asked for the law of surprise. And the guy said, Well, I haven't got, I'm not, my wife can't have kids. I know what you're asking for. You can't, you won't get it. So why don't you take one of my sons? And Geralt's like, well, why the hell would you want to give your son up to be a witcher? And he said, well, why not? It's a noble profession. You're saving people. And he's trying to convince Geralt that (laughs) it's not a bad job. Like, you're actually helping people out. Yes, people say bad things about you, but that's just because they're scared of what you could do if they don't pay you. (laughs) (laughs) For the whole series, the whole eight books, they are trying to find Siri again and um, get back to her. So that's... Yeah, and so all that stuff's a backdrop and reasons why, and all that sort of thing. And like, like it all comes together really well. I think he did. I think he did a really good job. Mm. Um, and one of the best scenes in there is a big battle, like a big war battle, the battle, battle of Battle of Bruger. And the way he actually writes it from a point of view of the surgeon, so it was like an episode of Mashed. That's so cool. Just, That's such a clever. It was so idea. clever. So you got this. You got this doctor and these two a source two sorcerers and whatever working on the soldiers as they're coming in. But you only see a few scenes from the battle. The rest mm. is all coming into the tent. And like, oh look, he's oh, what are they hitting themselves with? And it was just really clever. It's just I'd never seen like normally in there, the battle fighting all the time. Yeah. This time it was other people dealing with the fallout of the battle, not the yes. not all the glory and stuff They were dealing with the messy stuff. It's just yeah. really Sounds clever. Pretty like I say, like he plays around plays around points of view and stuff. And I just was amazed by
0: it. Yeah, wow. Um, well, we'll leave it there, Michael, mate. Um, yeah. I really appreciate you choosing the book. I'm really glad I read it. Like I, you know, I haven't gone into fantasy for a long time, but it was such an interesting book, and um, I loved especially all the tie-ins with Wild Dogs. Um, yeah, I found that stuff really interesting, and just you know, all the different books we read sort of make up um, the stories that we end up telling. Hey.
1: Which is why you've got to, you know, if you're writing, you've got to be taking in other people's work. And excuse me, like if you're writing crime, you don't just read the crime books. You've got to read other stuff too, because, like you say, it all comes from. Like I say those dingo scenes came straight from trying something that i would seen that I'd read in The Witcher. I hadn't really yeah. read, yeah. I hadn't read something like that before. So yeah,
0: it's such an yeah. You absolutely right. I always thought that when I was in um our, the band I was in. The best music we wrote was because we all liked different music. Hmm. We all listened to a, like a wide range of different genres and stuff like that. But if we were just listening to Metallica, yeah. we would have just sounded like a poor man's Metallica.
1: Yeah, which and I think I oh, could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure James Hetfield was a classically trained singer. I did I might, I might be wrong on that, but I thought I'd read something like that, that let's, one of them had some sort of
0: classical... Let's... Cliff Burton, the bass player, the original bass player, he was classically yeah. trained as a musician. That might be who I'm thinking of there, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. yeah, yeah, all yeah, these man.
1: elements come together.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I'm really glad I read it. And I think that that's such good advice too, to read a lot of other people's books. And it's sort of like the trick of this podcast is just me getting to read a lot of good books. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> make yourself read them yeah <laughs> yeah
0: it's a little yeah you know spur you on to read different things so yeah man i appreciate your time thank you and i'm just so glad for you with the success of um wild dogs anyone listening out in podcast land it's 100 percent worth investing in getting a copy of wild dogs it is a thrill ride australian and um, like we talked about here it's got a lot of really cool different Different things that happen that I think you probably won't expect, um, which is, you know, some of my favorite stuff. So yeah, man, thanks so much for being here today.
1: My no worries, thanks Ben. Thanks for having us.